We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to American Family Radio. More specifically, welcome to AFA at the Core. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. Glad to have you with us today. You can always check out our website, AFR.net. My podcast page is there as well. And we also publish the podcast on multiple platforms and websites. Uh, so wherever you listen to podcasts, go there and look for the AFA at the core podcast and subscribe to it. And of course, as always, as we mentioned yesterday on the show with our IT director, Tony Vitagliano, uh, the AFR app is another useful way to keep up with American Family Radio and listen live and past shows uh, of AFA at the core. We got a jam packed show, a lot of content to cover, a lot of news of the day. Our verse of the week. In this case, our verses of the week, verse 1 and 2 out of the book of Psalm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That's Psalm 1, verse 1 and 2. Next week on Friday, the 6th of August, we're going to have a special guest on the program by the name of Phil Klein. He's with the Amistad Project, and he's also a professor at Liberty University. Uh, Dr. Phil Klein, he's been uh, very involved with the uh, some of the audits and the investigations into uh, reports of election fraud in various states across the country. So he's up to speed on that. So we're going to talk with uh, Dr. Phil Klein with the Amistad Project and uh, Liberty University. We're going to talk with him next week on next Friday, a week from tomorrow, about uh, the latest uh, goings of election integrity and uh, what we can expect in the coming months and years ahead as we work to secure our America's elections from fraud, uh, mostly committed uh, by uh, Democrat-run districts and cities uh, across the country. So we'll talk with him about that. Um, Another... um, Another guest we might just have, I don't know, tomorrow or next week. I hadn't even told my producer Bobby about this. I'm going to surprise Bobby today. I'm going to surprise Bobby and let everyone know that we're going to try to have on Governor Tate Reeves in the next week or two. All right. We're going to try to have Governor Tate Reeves on. I just got a text from one of his assistants uh, that he is willing to come on at some point, just not today. It's a little, little bit too late to get him on today. Sure. Uh, But we're going to have him on and talk about the balance between um, public health and personal responsibility, because that's one thing that governors across the country are having to balance, and that is how far do you go with public health orders, and at what point do you have to rely on uh, American citizens, in this Mm. case Mississippians, to make their own wise uh, decisions when it comes to their public health. So we'll have Governor Tate Reeves on within the next week or so to talk about that. Look forward to that. Uh, yeah, that'll be a good one. Uh, be glad to have the governor on the show. 
from my home state of Mississippi. There's a story out of the Christian Post I wanted to make sure I got to today. Um, it is about a Christian web designer in, uh, this is out of the 10th Circuit. Uh, this uh, Christian, uh, this web designer who is a Christian, runs a faith-based uh, small business. She lives in Colorado. And her last name is, uh, or her name is Lori Smith. She, uh, the Colorado, state of Colorado, passed a bill, 2016, called the Colorado Anti-Discrimination Act. Whoa, does that sound so good? Well, that law directly conflicts with the First Amendment. And that law is aimed at forcing Christian businesses to do things that they fundamentally disagree with and that their faith fundamentally disagrees with and, uh, and condones or doesn't condone. Well, uh, this, uh, this lady, this small business owner, she's a web designer, website designer. She took uh, the state of Colorado to court in a preemptive effort to protect her First Amendment rights or religious freedom rights. Well, just yesterday, a three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit, they've ruled that a Christian web designer, in this case, Miss Lori Smith, uh, she must create websites that conflict with her religious views. In a two-to-one, uh, this is out of the Christian Post, in a two-to-one decision released Monday, the circuit panel ruled against Miss Smith and her web design company, 303 Creative, that's the name of her small business, stating that they must provide services for same-sex marriages if they offer said services for traditional weddings. Uh, uh, it goes on to say that uh, the small business filed a pre-enforcement legal challenge in 2016 to this Colorado law. And, you know, here's the irony. Here's the irony. Small businesses can currently refuse services for virtually any reason. You know, we see the signs at the gas stations, at the convenience stores, you know, no shoes, no shirt, no service. And then you see the, the, the places where you have to wear a mask. If you don't have a mask on, you can't go inside. And if you go inside, oh, the clerk yells at you across the store, get a mask on, put a mask on. You got to get out of here if you're not going to put a mask on. Well, and now we're seeing where businesses, they're forcing patrons to either get a vaccine or don't come eat at this restaurant. That's what we're seeing in states like New York and other places. And you know... Conservatives traditionally defend business owners and say that business owners have the right to run their business according to how they would choose, how they would like it. After all, they're the sole proprietor. It is their business. They started it. They run it. They can choose who they serve. That's the proper view of businesses. But if you're a Christian and you have sincerely held religious beliefs about what God says about human sexuality and marriage, well, you have to leave that belief at the house. That belief cannot follow you to your business. Uh, that is antithetical to our First Amendment rights. It's against the fundamental uh, belief and value that people of faith should be able to operate their businesses according to their religious beliefs. So Colorado, the three-judge panel there, uh, they don't like the First Amendment, and that's really a sad state of affairs going on there. And uh, another story 
out of Maine. This is a Maine church petitioning the Supreme Court to protect it from these COVID-era restrictions that have been coming coming out of uh, governor's mansions for the last 18 months. Well, uh, this uh, this main church is filing a petition before the U.S. Supreme Court. The name of the church is Calvary Chapel of Bang of Bangor, B-A-N-G-O-R. They're in Maine. Um, this church is asking the Supreme Court to protect its right to gather as a church body there in Maine. So they're going before the Supreme Court asking for relief uh, so that the governor doesn't uh, come up with more executive orders uh, preventing this church from gathering. So it's really, we really shouldn't be in this place as a country, uh, but we are, but we are. And the the utter hypocrisy uh, from people who uh, have uh, religious intolerance is is stunning where, you know, we saw where uh, during the 2017 inauguration of Donald J. Trump as president, we saw at least one, if not more, uh, dress makers refused to sell a dress to the first lady, to the incoming first lady, Melania Trump. And everyone said, well, they're, they're, they own their own business. They make their, their dresses. If they don't want to sell dresses to Melania Trump, they don't have to. <laughs> she can go find a dress somewhere else. Well, if you're a Christian and you run a small business, well, that doesn't apply to you. You have to, you are forced to provide services and endorse behavior and activities that you fundamentally disagree with. Absolutely crazy. Well, today, Nancy Pelosi, just uh, yesterday morning, actually, uh, she came into the House chamber, the U.S. Congress, and she said, we will all be wearing masks moving forward. She is reinstating the mask mandate in the Congress, in the U.S. House of Representatives side, and this has gotten several representatives fired up. The first representative I want to play here, this is uh, Representative Amy Mace, and she does a short 17-second uh, video here telling Pelosi that, number one, she's not wearing a mask, and number two, if you don't like it, I dare you to come get me. This is a clip to Representative Amy Mace. In the tunnels this morning, socially distant from anybody else, I had covid I've had two vaccinations. I'm washing my hands. I'm even wearing my mask inside the chamber, but I'm not going to wear it anywhere else. So, Madam Speaker, come and get me. <laughs> that's that's great. We need more of that. We need more Amen. Republicans, Bobby, that will stand up and say, no more. We're not doing this. Yeah, I think uh, her and Representative Lobert and, oh, my gosh, I wouldn't want to tangle with the two of them, I don't think. <laughs> No, absolutely not. So there there you have it, Representative Amy May saying, uh, Pelosi, I'm not wearing a mask outside of the chamber, and if you don't like it, you can come get me. And Nancy Pelosi's actually issued an order for Capitol Police to arrest staffers and visitors who aren't wearing masks. Yes, you heard that. Restrain them, handcuff them, arrest them. Well, another representative who fundamentally disagrees with this, and this is glorious. You know, this is... We need fighters. The Republican Party needs fighters. I've got a story I'm going to talk about later. Are these Republicans endorsing the Biden infrastructure bill that's going to have a bunch of garbage in it? You know, it's always, it's always the case where Republicans get drug around by the Democrats. 
the Democrat Party, they set the tone, they set the bar, and Republicans follow. Republicans follow every time. It's Democrats in the state of Texas. They fled Texas so Texas couldn't pass a voter integrity law. Why don't Republicans flee somewhere? Why don't they flee D.C. so that they can't pass the infrastructure bill? You know, we're letting Democrats always set the bar on what's what's a good way to fight, what's a proper way to fight. And we're always, Republicans are always so weak and timid and trying to follow the rules. And, well, um, here's uh, Representative Chip Roy. This is a part one of a two-part uh, clip I want to play. Uh, this is Representative Chip Roy talking about how the House of Representatives, how the Congress has become a dysfunctional entity and institution. Clip three, let's listen. The American people are fed up. They want to go back to life. They want to go back to business. They want to go back to school without their children being forced to wear masks, to be put in the corner, to have mental health issues. And we're running around here, and the speaker comes down here at 10 o'clock in the morning saying, we got to wear masks in the people's house while we've got thousands of people pouring across our border, and Democrats don't do a darn thing about it, heavily infected with COVID. We have the New York Times today. What a mess. CDC about to reverse on indoor masking for the vaccinated, quote unquote. This is some serious nanny state stuff that will only breed resentment. No kidding. Consider resentment being magnified right here in the floor of the House of Representatives. We are absolutely sick and tired of it, and so are the American people. This sham of an institution is doing nothing for the American people. Nothing for the betterment of the people that send their representatives here. I could not agree 100%. The U.S. Congress has turned into and is now a sham of an institution. We would be better off as a country, and I mean this quite literally. We would be better off as a country if all of our elected officials would just go back to their districts on a 12 to 24 to three year month, three year vacation until we could get a better president. Our country would be better off. Just go ahead and pass the federal budget that everybody needs for the next three and a half years. Go back to your districts and don't do anything. Because nothing is better than something at this point. Because everything that comes out of Washington is terrible. It's terrible. AFA at the core will be back in a few minutes. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The book of Proverbs is one that flows with abundant insight for wisdom. It shows that one of the most prominent qualities of wise people is that they welcome and even celebrate life-giving correction. In today's world, overrun by cultural Marxism, there is much discussion as to what segments of our society hate themselves. Well, Proverbs gives the answer. He who rejects life-giving correction despises himself. The truest demonstration of self-hatred is revealed by knuckleheads who refuse to humble themselves and embrace life-giving correction. Loving rebuke saves lives. Correction displays love. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Dr. Richard Land, President Emeritus of Southern Evangelical Seminary, and your host for Bringing Every Thought Captive. Yesterday, we talked to you about the unprecedented rise in murders, homicides in the United States. Today, we're going to continue that discussion. African Americans, as a group, have the highest percentage of support for police than any group in America. Why? Because they are most in need of protection. They are the ones who benefit the most from active policing. Now, this does not mean that the police also are responsible. We need to have better accountability. We need to have, when, when policemen do do the wrong thing, when they abuse their power, they need to be held accountable. And unfortunately, police unions have often made that difficult for city governments and for county governments and for state governments. But there needs to be accountability for the police. But there also needs to be accountability for the people who are in charge the council members, the mayors, the governors, the senators, and the president. When crime goes up, then we need to have an accountability. And just, just to give you a couple of dramatic examples, murders increased by 69% in Minneapolis after the shooting of George Floyd there. And they increased 99% in Louisville after Breonna Taylor was killed in a botched police operation. Where policing is seen as the primary problem to be solved, Moskis tells us in his article in the Wall Street Journal, then crime is going to increase dramatically and innocent people die. Let's remember policing is an inherently dangerous job. They put on the uniform and they go out to protect all of us, and their families don't know if they're going to come home. It's that dangerous. So when you see a policeman, thank him. Tell him you support him. When you see his family, tell him that you support what they do that you're appreciative of the sacrifices they're making. It makes a difference. This is Richard Land. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the show. You know, there's this uh, medical phrase called, uh, or it goes by, first, do no harm. First, do no harm. Well, that so applies to our elected officials in Washington, D.C. First, don't do any harm. That should be their motto. And in order for them to not do harm, they have to do nothing to not do any harm to our country. I'm going to play one more clip here. This is another one. This is part two from Representative Chip Roy talking about uh, vaccines, masks, social distancing, and the circle that the CDC has gone around with for the last 18 months. Clip four, let's listen. I just met this morning with an organization that tries to take care of people from human trafficking. Met with an elected official from Mexico while cartels are raping and pillaging and killing. And we have people infected with COVID coming across our southern border into Texas. And you all put masks, masks up front here here on the people's house, we got to go around and see, okay, we can't come to the floor. I can't execute my constitutional duty unless I wear a mask. Well, which is it? Vaccines or masks? Do the vaccines work or they don't work? Do the masks work so they don't work? I'd like to know which it is. I'd like Dr. Fauci to come down and answer a single question about natural immunity. Have you been infected with a virus? Do you have immunity? Or are they just going to go around poking people saying you must take a vaccine? Oh, but sorry, the vaccine doesn't work. You must wear a mask. This institution is a sham, and we should adjourn and shut this place down. Well, there you have it. That's my point. They should shut down and do no harm. First, do no harm. 
they should shut Congress down and not do anything because what they're doing now is not working. And this is creating a very cynical generation. Uh, what the CDC and these jokesters are doing are creating a very cynical generation where in the future, uh, the vast majority of Americans are not just simply not going to trust and not going to listen to the so-called experts uh, because they have burned their credibility on multiple occasions. In, in studio with me on each Tuesday and Thursday is my brother Wesley Wildman, Vice President of Outreach. Uh, what did you want to say, Wesley? Hey, I was going to hop in here. Uh, one, let me just say this. That I came in on the last portion of the first segment, and I want to say I feel like you were trying to compete with Abe for hypeness. And yeah. you were you were like you were right there and so you were I would just want to say I observed great competition. <laughs> so and you know what it wasn't it wasn't without it wasn't without being poked because yeah. mm. I was listening to some of the clips and let me tell you this one thing that I've said that they're causing by their hypocrisy and their lack of following the science on this is that they will cause and they are causing unfortunately a rebellious generation. Now, rebellious can be a good thing. Um, and it can be a bad thing, depending on how it's used and what it's about. The term can be used for both good and bad. However, whatever the outcome is, um, it's typically um, goes through a lot of issues. And I, I just wish they'd cut this out because, like I said, you're causing, you are going to develop a rebellious generation, whatever that looks like. And yeah. I don't know what that'll look like. So yeah, yeah, the double standard, the hypocrisy, the back and forth, the contradictions is is stunning. And uh, people don't know what to do, who to listen to, uh, because the so-called experts keep changing their mind on what they think works and what doesn't. Uh, one thing that has worked and has worked for thousands of years is marriage. And that's one thing Wesley and I've talked about here on the show before is the importance of a biblical marriage. But Wesley, today we want to talk about the importance of fatherhood. Yes, we want to talk about the importance of fatherhood. In order to get to that point, I also want to read a stat for us here, and then that will help us uh, transition into the topic for the remaining of this program, or the remaining of this segment, and that's the, the father absence and crisis in America. Let me read this. 18.3 million children, 18.3 million children, that's one in four children, live without a biological step or even adopted father so obviously if you just take biological fathers alone the numbers the the statistics are even way more than that per child but if you include everything you're talking about one in four that don't have a male figure at all wow no no male figure and which some of the things that we know from that is this if you don't have a dad in the home we're talking about not even a step or adopted dad hmm you're seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager. So think about that. If the average is one out of 10 with a dad in the home, you're looking at seven out of 10 are likely to get pregnant without a dad in the home. Like it's astronomical. A couple more here. Mm -hmm. You're two times greater of risk of, in, of infant mortality. Think about that. Two times greater to die as a child. More likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. More likely to go to prison more likely to commit violent crimes. Okay, so let me just pause there for a second. I'm known around AFA, I'll admit, and uh -oh. it's going to come up. If we're, uh -oh. if, if we're going to be doing the programs, Walker's eventually going to call me on this. <laughs> but I'm known around AFA as being the eternal optimist, okay? And with that said, last week I went out of my way to find a common ground with transgenderism, those that are transgender. Remember that? 
Well, for those that missed that, you need to go back to AFR.net. Click on our um, what, what's where will they find us on my on my show on go, my podcast. Show. All right, go to the podcast page and listen to it, and you can find this, out. The, this would have been last Tuesday or last, Thursday. It been Tuesday last this past Tuesday. You can find what I said. We had where we had common ground today. We have common ground with the uh, far left former president Barack Hussein Obama, and we are going to listen to what we agree with him on on clip on clip six. It's great to have all of you here today uh, as we gear up to celebrate Father's Day and, and to recognize the vital role that fathers play in our communities and obviously in our families. If we want our children to succeed in life, we need fathers to step up. We need fathers to understand that their work doesn't end with conception. What truly makes a man a father is the ability to raise a child. When my daughters were born, I made a pledge to them and to myself that I would do everything I could to give them some things I didn't have. And I decided that if I could be one thing in life, it would be to be a good father. There you have it. Who is that, Wesley? That is Barack Hussein Obama, our <laughs> former president. Um, well, uh, I believe that clip was back in 2009. 2009. Okay, first, first term. It was his first term. So, And he went on for about 54 minutes. He had a whole press conference on the value of, of a dad. He went over some of the stats that I went over and more. He went over. So we have common ground. You know, and, and that's the, it, it, that we did talk about transgenderism and how, you know, many people say, well, they can change. You uh -huh. know, if you're a man, you can change. And we agree that you can change, meaning God can transform your life. Well, that was one. But the, the common ground that I pointed out was the fact that they have, uh, they believe that transgenderism call or they believe that, that the community is going through a high uh a high percentage of uh, depression, depression and substance abuse and substance abuse yeah. and so the 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 consequences of of um transgenderism is what we agree on the solution is what we disagreed on but yeah. they they'll even recognize the stats of the suicide rate the depression and the alcoholism the crime rate that comes from the lifestyle of transgenderism yeah well, this, this, you know, one of our core values here at American Family Association is marriage and family. Mm -hmm. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriage and equip parents to raise godly children. Well, somebody who agrees with us is Barack Obama. Yep. Uh, President Obama agrees with us that fathers are important. Uh, they're important from conception. Yep. They're important from the very beginning. And we understand this is a real, real problem. Uh, stepping back to the stats that we just read, it's hard for those things to sink in, especially when you're driving or you just read the one-line stats and then you keep going. But just allow those stats to sink in. The domino effect that it has on the fatherlessness in America. And what I wanted to emphasize, too, is that we're, uh, while it is tragic and some of the stats would come in with fathers, a small percentage of fathers who have passed away or there's other reasons outside of their control, what we're talking about is the overwhelming majority of fatherlessness comes from the abandonment of the dad not ever being a part of the situation or the, the marriage to begin with. Yeah, so. and this this really raises the question, you know, our elected officials and our policymakers, they at least say that they care about public health, yep. uh, that public health is a top priority. We should all care about public health. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that. But this area has been widely ignored. Yep. This area of fatherlessness, which if we can address this and make it better for, for children, meaning we encourage more dads to be dads, mm -hmm. to be fathers, 
that would make a drastic that would drastically improve America's situation morally, spiritually, economically. Uh, uh, when it comes to the criminal statistics, it would improve America across the board. But you're not hearing press conferences about how we need to make sure that dads stay in the home. Yeah, you said you said economically. Well, you're four times greater at risk of living in poverty if you don't have a dad in the home. And so just to your point in all aspects, that's why I've said all along, I, re- I remember beginning my ministry here full-time at AFA eight years ago this, pa- this upcoming August. And I remember through the first two or three years as I sat in meetings and I sat in radio uh, uh, programs and, and was a part of One News Now, the alerts and all that, I remember over a period of time I began to conclude and draw a, a correlation and, and the line all ended up in the same point for the majority of the problems, and that was the absence of the dad. So you know mm-hmm. what, Walker, how are we going to reverse this? Because when you look at this, it's very – we get – we. This there is no quick fix to this, and honestly, Walker is is as cynical this is. We're gonna get some good news in a minute, mm-hmm. but as cynical as this may sound, I don't know where this is gonna end, because what you have is children raising children, yeah. And so I don't know what this is gonna look like. Other, I mean, I don't know how well, much worse well, well, these stats can But we're get. seeing we're seeing what it looks like. That's well, I there mean, you go. As That's a society, right. we're seeing the breakdown. Uh, I just seeing, don't know how much more worse it can get, but other than yeah. this, I mean, it's I mean, these these are bad numbers. Yeah, I mean, our 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 the spiritual state of our country is in, in a very bad place, sure. and you know, this drives us back to our point here at AFA, um, and that is we're not just here. We don't promote marriage and family. Uh, Wesley and I don't talk about the importance of fathers in the home just for the sake of fathers being the home in the right. home. This goes back to our fundamental belief. That God created us all in his image. That's right. And that he has a plan for each and every one of us. And his word, the Bible, God's word, prescribes how we should live our lives out, how we should conduct ourselves. And one of the areas that God speaks to over and over again from the very beginning of creation is marriage and family. And so we have to follow God's prescription for marriage and family. That's the solution to many of our ills. And how we're going to reverse this, in my opinion, is obviously like most of the problems, it didn't happen overnight, so it's not going to be fixed overnight. So we've got to take this incremental, faithful, consistent approach. But let me just speak for our, for our listeners and for those that are Christians that are following what we do from a Christian perspective, what we can do about this. And here's what we can do. One, just briefly, me mention this. We could spend a whole program on this part. But just remember the single moms out there. Help them the best you can yes. when, when you have an opportunity. The single moms out there. But the good news is, Walker, is that AFA is doing something about this. We have been doing something about this for the last two years, and it started locally, and it can still remain to be local. It's a little bit regional, and I'll explain that a little bit. But what we have is a program called Men of Honor. And while we are a national ministry, and while our this effort is a local effort, what we have found by doing the program Men of Honor is that there were 74 individuals that contacted me for the template for the outline of the Men of Honor program, and they're duplicating it in their hometown. And some are listening, and they want to go, what's the Men of Honor program? The Men of Honor program is a summer program sponsored by AFA here in Chipolo at our headquarters where we host young men, most of them, not all of them, but most of them, 70 80% of them are without a dad in the home, and we provide a program each Tuesday night through the month of June and July, throughout the whole summer for an hour and a half, where they come in, we feed them a meal, we uh, teach them the scriptures, we teach them a life skill, and the la- that life skill 
could be a variety of different things from car maintenance, craftsman skills, how to fish, how to fill out a job resume. They get to introduce themselves to law enforcement, to cook, uh, all types of um, life skills that they can learn that are very important to them. And then some of the Bible lessons that we teach are spiritual discipline, peer pressure, how to respond to peer pressure, what is grace, how to overcome hardships, mm. biblical manhood. This is a program that AFA has been doing in the last two years, and we just finished the program on this past Tuesday night, and I wanted to give our audience an update. Some of them are going to be new to it, but a lot of them have been following this along the way. And 2020, we graduated 14 kids, a small local uh, effort to be an example to the rest of the country. And this past year, 2021, we graduated 26 boys. So there was an increase. God expanded our territory, and we were grateful to do that. And uh, I just want to encourage those that are listening to either take on a program like this and or one-on-one. If you don't have time to get involved in a program like this, you got to get involved in yeah. finding those, uh, identifying those uh, young men without a father and becoming that. And remember, men disciple men and women disciple women. So keep that in mind. But grown men in the church need to get involved in the in the lives of younger men in their church. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And you know, I was I was convicted by this uh, this thought process that I had during Men of Honor. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you look at we had you, you mentioned how twenty how many men twenty something men, yeah, young men this this summer and. It was it was really um, humbling because many of us think that we should have you know ministries where we minister to hundreds of people, right? Thousands yes. of people. And you we are, feel like yeah. if if we don't have that, then sure. we're not making the biggest impact. Yeah. yeah. But when you look at Jesus's ministry, <laughs> yeah. yes, Jesus spoke to large crowds on sure. multiple occasions, but much of his life and his ministry, the life on life, yeah, was spent with five, ten, fifteen men. Yeah. Um, and the impact has changed the world. Yeah. Turn the world upside down. And so, the, yeah. So whoever you can minister to, whatever young, uh, the men out there that I'm, that I, we're talking to, whoever you can minister to, whatever impact you can have, go for it. Don't, That's our challenge. Yeah. To you. Don't hesitate because you can only reach three young men. Yes. Do what you can with the resources that God has given you. Yes. Hey, I've enjoyed being on. Uh, I just want to encourage those and challenge those that are listening to be involved in something like this. Remember the single moms, help them when you can. And and the men out there, Christian men, get out there, identify a young man who needs a mentor and start that process. Yes, and make sure you take care of your family first first and foremost. AFA at the Core, I'm Walker Wildman. We'll be back in a few minutes with more of AFA at the Core. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training. Here's another of our core values. We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. And we thank you for your support. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. 
if it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Here are Tim and Riley Wildman for the AFA Foundation. Riley, I know Dan Celia uh, works with us at the AFA Foundation. In fact, he advises you guys all the time, and you hear about him talk about the AFA Foundation on his radio program. Uh, so you work closely with Dan? Yes, sir, I do. And so it, so does Chelsea and Jessica. So Dan Celia of, of Financial Issues, the charitable gift annuity is probably the most popular product, if you will, that you guys offer in the AFA Foundation. What does that do? You basically give a lump sum to AFA, and then in return, you receive a fixed amount uh, coming back to them for the rest of their life. And then when they pass away, the money is left to AFA to um, leave a legacy. Contact Riley Wildman and her staff at afafoundation.net or call 800-326-4543, extension 345. Dr. Carl Truman from the American Family Studios documentary, The God Who Speaks. One of the things that a pastor has to do on a Sunday when he gets up in the pulpit is let people know that the reading and the exposition of Scripture is the most important thing that's going to happen to them that week. If the pastor has not communicated to his people with the very first sentence that comes out of his mouth on a Sunday morning that this is the most important thing you're going to hear that week, the pastor has failed in his job. Secondly, the pastor needs to preach in a way that helps people to read the Bible for themselves. Now, to clarify that, the purpose of preaching is not primarily to help people read the Bible for themselves. It's to expand Scripture and to confront them with the call of God on their lives. But a byproduct of that should be helping people to handle the Word of God responsibly for themselves. Visit thegodwhospeaks.org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the show, AFA at the Core. We are live streaming on Facebook, the video of the show. You can go to the American Family Radio Facebook page and watch the show live each Monday through Friday. Go there and check that out. And of course, we're live streaming the audio on our website, AFR.net, and on the app. You know, Facebook and these other platforms, it's not just Facebook, Twitter, etc. You know, I would just urge Christians out there who are listening, even those who may not even be believers, to be careful about how you're using these online platforms. Because just like many things in life, things can be used for good or they can be used for bad. Um, and when one thing I've noticed is that many believers just get swept up in uh, these social platforms uh, to such an extent uh, that it is dominating their, their lives. Uh, the way they uh, view the world, um, their emotional health, their mental health is all being driven uh, by what's in their news feed when they get on these social media platforms. So uh, make sure you're you're keeping a, a healthy uh, mental and emotional relationship with your family, with your loved ones, and interacting with people around you in a human sense by 
you know, looking people in the eyes, shaking their hands, and just having fellowship, genuine fellowship with people. And uh, don't be so reliant on uh, social media platforms to get your your affirmation uh, in your life. So that's a just a word of encouragement and a warning uh, coming from personal experience myself. You know, I got off. Uh, I, I do have a Twitter account because I um, I get a lot of my news from the twi- my news feed on Twitter. I follow various different groups and entities. And I get a lot of the stories I bring to the show actually come off my Twitter news feed. Um, I haven't had a Facebook page in probably 10 years. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying that, that Facebook is bad or Twitter is bad. Obviously, I've got a Twitter page, but it's really about how we use these platforms. So just be be aware of that and uh, don't let, don't let uh, any kind of online platform take you to a place uh, that is not honoring Christ uh, with your thoughts and with your actions each day. I uh, played the uh, a couple of the clips, and I talked about this uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi reinstating the mask mandate for vaccinated and unvaccinated lawmakers and staffers and visitors. You know, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to go back into our nation's capital. That, that place is still closed. It's still locked down. Um, I don't know if we're going to be able to go back into our nation's capitals, because that, and that's a sad place to be at as a country. Um, to not be able to go uh, back into our nation's capital. It may have reopened, but I'm not aware of it. So we'll check on that to see if the U.S. Capitol is back opened to visitors. We'll check that out. But last time I heard, uh, several weeks ago, a few months ago, it was not open. But Representative Thomas Massey, he's from Kentucky, and he was on Fox News this morning, and he was um, asked for his comment on the Nancy Pelosi mask mandate and whether he would be participating in wearing a mask, even though he has natural immunity. Clip five, let's listen. But now that she's reinitiated the mask mandate, will you now back down and wear one? No, I'm not backing down. In fact, I'm not wearing one if she wants to find me again. And we may have more co-litigants in this case, more plaintiffs. I've got people asking if they can join the lawsuit now. All right, so then she'd probably call you a moron. I mean, that's you know what? what she said yesterday. You know what? A year ago, she called me a dangerous nuisance on national television. So I took it as a compliment. If she had just called me a nuisance, <laughs> I'd have been offended. But she knows we're effective. And she reinstituted this mask mandate the day after we filed the case in federal court. We'll take it all the way to the Supreme Court if we have to. She's a tyrant and a hypocrite. Boom! She's a tyrant and a hypocrite. I agree. Let's echo that a thousand percent. You know, Thomas Massey, the representative from Kentucky, he got a bad rap during the Trump administration, uh, the last year of the Trump administration, when they were trying to pass all these stimulus bills. And Representative Massey, he, he raised concern about how they were conducting business in Congress. More specifically, he did not like, he disagreed with the fact that many representatives were doing this proxy voting. They were out on vacation on yachts out of country, and they were voting. They were voting in Congress when they weren't even there, which is historically unprecedented. Well, he tried to he tried to force the issue. He did force the issue to make Congress actually show up to vote on bills so we can get a roll call on who votes for the legislation. Well, President Trump went after him and Many Republicans went after him uh, for being an obstructionist and a 
a nuisance. Well, he actually raised a good point there, and I didn't like him being attacked. Well, he's back now, Representative Massey, and he said he's not wearing a mask in Congress. He's not wearing a mask in the U.S. House of Representatives, and good for him. Kudos to him. You know, the Republican Party, here's what the GOP needs to do. The RNC, with their hundreds of millions of dollars that they've raised, all of the hundreds of millions of dollars that they raised in the name of litigating for election integrity in the latter part of 2020, that to, to our knowledge, they haven't used that money for actual election integrity litigation. I think the RNC should offer to pay the fines for every Republican who doesn't want to wear a mask in Congress. If I donated to the RNC, which I haven't and I never will, if I donated to them, I would be 100% fine with them using that money to pay the fines for Representative Thomas Massey and any other Republican who doesn't want to wear a mask. Pay their fines. I think that's a good use of the money. Representative Thomas Massey from Kentucky says he is not wearing a mask in Congress. He said he, he's already had COVID. He has natural immunity. He's not going to do it. The uh, CDC yesterday, you know, I heard Abe, uh, Abraham Hamilton III talking about this on the show last yesterday evening when I was driving home listening to him. And he mentioned this. You know, the CDC came out with this uh, updated guideline yesterday about how, well, uh, even vaccinated people need to start wearing masks again. Well, turns out the CDC used a study from India <laughs> to drive their decision-making and the study in India was relying on people, uh, hospital workers with vaccines that aren't even approved in the U.S. This study was done over 100 healthcare workers in India. And the vaccine that they had been given wasn't even U.S. approved, not even under the emergency authorization. So CDC using uh, foreign studies to drive their domestic decision making uh, studies that this one was actually uh, rejected by a peer review. The study out of India was rejected by a peer review, and the CDC is using it to shape national policy. There's a bill in, in Ohio that I hope becomes law. It hasn't become law yet. This bill is called Senate Bill 209 out of the state of Ohio, and it was introduced by State Senator Andrew Brenner, Republican, this bill, Senate Bill 209, would prohibit the state board, the Ohio Department of Education, or any individual or, or any individual school district, boards of education, from requiring anyone to wear a facial covering in a public education setting. This bill is uh, pending in the Ohio legislature. I believe they're out of session now, but they're set to come back in session uh, maybe even later this year. But this Senate Bill 209, if it, if it became law in Ohio, it would make it to where school districts and the Department of Education in Ohio cannot force young children, little children, to wear a cloth over their face for 8 to 10 hours a day while at school. So that's a good bill. I think every state should do this. I think every state should go ahead and outlaw mask mandates for our young children in these public education systems uh, because there's no science to back it up. And as Ron DeSantis said, the governor out of Florida, our children need to breathe. This law or this piece of legislation in Ohio would apply to classrooms, athletic events, or any other school-related function. The uh, author of the bill, Andrew Brenner, state senator there, here's his quote. No mask breaks, dirty mask being used over and over again, kids running around in a playground with a mask, 
I mean, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> so let's echo that as well. It's just ridiculous. Hopefully that will become law soon in the next several months or years, hopefully the next several months in Ohio. I would encourage state lawmakers across the country to do something similar uh, to protect our kids from being traumatized uh, by these face diapers. Speaking of being traumatized, Democrats and even some Republicans in Congress in a, uh, in a committee, they approved of a piece of legislation or a part of legislation that would require America's daughters to be drafted into the military to sign up and be automatically registered for the draft like our young men. This is, this is where when you detach scientific reality, when you detach biblical truth from your policymaking, that opens a door that you can never turn back. That opens a door that leads us down dangerous, dangerous and unhealthy paths. We do not need, as Americans, we, we should not be allowing and forcing our daughters to be on the front lines and to be drafted, to be registered for the draft automatically without their consent. Representative Chip Roy, another Representative Chip Roy clip, he was one of the only, one of the few Republicans in Congress that spoke out against forcing America's daughters to be entered into the draft. Let's listen to clip one. And now today, just yesterday, or I don't know, last few days, the Senate Armed Services Committee votes overwhelmingly to draft our daughters. Heck, we had eight Republicans of the 13 vote for that nonsense, to draft our daughters. Who are we? Who are we as a people, as a country? Where are the sacred boundaries of being able to decide how to live and, and to recognize truths that man is man, that woman is woman, and that I as a father do not want to have my daughter get drafted. And you say, well, what about anything draft your son? Use the power of the government to draft the son. We can have a debate about ending the draft. Everyone comes back and says, well, don't worry. There's not going to be a draft. There hasn't been a draft in 50 years. So don't worry about it. What do you mean don't worry about it? When my daughter turns 18 in eight years and she has to go sign a piece of paper to register, I shouldn't be worried about my daughter getting drafted and go get sent to a foxhole in Afghanistan or Iraq or somewhere else? What do you mean don't worry about that? Yet that's precisely what this body is doing. The Senate Armed Services Committee voted on it. The House already has that language. Let me be perfectly clear. I will not be honoring whatever law says is drafting my daughter. Amen. Representative Roy not going to honor that law if it becomes law, that piece of legislation. You know, this, this, um, this topic people probably have a hard time figuring out where they stand on this. Uh, but let me, let me be clear. Scripture is clear on the role of men to protect women, on the role of men to protect women from harm. As a part of that, our country does not need to be forcing young women to register for the draft the military draft the 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 evidence on, on the on how god created men and women different is overwhelming 
You can see the studies about men having more substantially more upper body strength, and the list goes on. We do not need young women being forced to enter the draft and potentially be fighting wars overseas, these endless wars. This is absolutely insane. Representative Roy speaking up on that in Congress, and he said eight Republicans voted for that. Eight Republicans voted in favor of that. And let me just, I mean, would those would those lawmakers be okay with their 18-year-old daughter going overseas, fighting in Afghanistan at 19 years old? Would they be okay with that? I would love to hear them testify under oath uh, that they would be 100% okay with their 19-year-old daughter being forced to enter the draft and go fight another endless war overseas. The, uh, the, the 18 Republicans I told you I would mention that voted for um, in favor of continuing debate on this Biden infrastructure bill. I'm going to go ahead and read their names real quick. Uh, 18 Republicans voted in favor of this Biden bill. Roy Blunt of Missouri, Richard Burr of North Carolina, Shelley Capito of West Virginia, Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, Mike Crepo of Idaho, Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Rob Portman of Ohio, Jim Rice of Idaho, Mitt Romney of Utah, Tom Tillis of North Carolina, Todd Young of Indiana, Chuck Grassley of Iowa, John Hooven from North Dakota, Kevin Kramer from North Dakota, and uh, Susan Collins from Maine. Now, those are the 18 Republicans who advanced Biden's piece of infrastructure leg- legislation that As we know, it's going to be a garbage bill. It's going to be a wasteful bill uh, that furthers America's financial and fiscal woes. 18 Republicans go along to get along with the Democrats. There you have it. AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. Check out our website, AFR.net. We'll be back next time with more of AFA at the core. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.